Minimalists. <laughs> Hello, patrons. This is Ask the Minimalists number 38. Ryan Nicodemus is out today, but I, I have uh, our third and fourth string with us. <laughs> Podcast Sean. Netflix is driving no lower more. than that. That's, you're damn right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and we have some questions. Now, we're going to do this one a little bit differently today. And uh, by the way, we got all kinds of great feedback that we need more Jordan and Jess and Sean on the episode. So the more we can get Jess out here, we could have all five of us on at some point. I'm, I'm all for that. Um, in fact, the title of our text group is The Starting Five. <laughs> I, I, whenever I'm texting all five of us at the same time, it's just because the, the minimalist team, we have about a, there's about a dozen people, but there's really like there's five of us that do you know the the everyday stuff now that isn't an anticipatory title is it what's that like this is just the starting five <laughs> no it's a basketball but, reference okay yeah 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 uh, it's it's the people who hit the court first and like we're gonna have a we're gonna have to make our own final or the last dance our uh, own mini our yeah. own fake doc <laughs> <laughs> It's just uh, following Ryan through his contract negotiations, and that's really why he's out today. It's not because he has this thing that looks like pink eye. It's because he's actually he's like boycotting. He's on strike right now. No, uh, Ryan will be back soon. But we have some questions, and we're doing this differently because oh, I should start my timer here. Um, we are doing this differently because we were just on Good Morning America. Uh, in fact, we had two appearances this month on Good Morning America to announce our new book, uh, Love People Use Things, which you can check out now, uh, lovepeopleusethings.net. Uh, it's pr- available for pre-order. You can read the synopsis, all that fun stuff. Also some uh, exciting perks, incentives, they called it. They call it um, coming for people who pre-order the book. You can pre-order it now and still get those incentives once we announce it. Uh, no pressure, by the way. You, if you don't want to buy the book, uh, you certainly don't have to. It's something we're really proud of, though, and it looks like a lot of people are looking forward to that. But because we were on Good Morning America, we went over to Instagram, and we were like, hey, uh, give us some questions we can answer on the air. Well, I think we could only answer a few questions on the air, right? And on the first segment, in fact, we had one question to answer on the air. And so we have a bunch of extra questions here, and we picked out a few of them. We'll go ahead and start by answering these, and maybe I can have Podcast Sean and Jordan No More chime in. This first question is from iMom, and he says, Hi, my name is iMom from Indonesia. I want to ask you guys a question. In the time of COVID, there's a lot of bad news on the internet. How do you be more deliberate in consuming information so that we can be less stressed because of that information? You know, it's fascinating. I think the first step is actually exactly what iMom is talking about here. You want to be less stressed, right? And you've acknowledged that news is stressful for you. Now, some people listen to this, they're like, what are you talking about? News isn't stressful for me at all. And that may be true. It also may not be true. We, we often trick ourselves and not realize how stressed we are because it becomes part of our everyday backdrop. The everyday life is working 60, 70 hour, hours a week and then, quote, decompressing with news. 
but quite often that just adds to the anxiety levels. I think we have to understand that most news organs, not all of them, but most, their intention is to increase your cortisol levels. That's what gets you to tune in, is the increased cortisol. And there's nothing wrong with that in short bursts, but if your primary diet is empty calories, news information, which is mostly empty calories, then you're going to get sick. And uh, I mean that like literally if you're eating nothing but, but processed sugar, news is often the, the sort of psychological equivalent of processed sugar. It's not a deep dive. So maybe it's not about avoiding the news. I know on the podcast recently, I recommended American Affairs. It's a journal that I, it's a quarterly journal that I read. So if you want an alternative to that kind of news, to the breaking news, because breaking news is broken. We already know that. If you want an alternative to that, I would consider some sort of long form news if you're looking for news, or you can do what Ryan has done recently and opt out of news altogether. And in doing that, he's even set some expectations with his friends. Hey, I'd appreciate it if you don't, uh, unless it's an emergency, you don't, you don't want to communicate that, that news uh, to me. I, I'd really appreciate that because it does stress me out. So setting some expectations there. Now, Jordan, you were talking about this uh, before we started rolling that um, you tend to avoid the news but your grandma is always hounding you right yeah she gives me um <clears throat> she she like low-key you know throws me shade about uh if i don't watch the news like the good example i used with you is there was a fire yeah it's an hour away from me but right. she was like hey did you hear about the fire in san bernardino and i'm like no and she's like well if you watch the news you would know that you're in danger and i'm like well <laughs> if you looked at a map you would know that i don't live by there <laughs> but i subscribe to the like you were saying basically is i subscribe to like if um if it's important i'll find about i'll hear about it and yeah. obviously she told me so <laughs> and sean was saying something to me like your friends are almost curating your news for you now and it feels like i've surrounded myself with a with a handful of trusted tastemakers it's the same re reason I often use Pandora for music. I'm letting someone else sort of pick what music filters through to me. Uh, but or the same reason people pick play playlists or whatever. I think the same is true with the news. The important stuff does filter through. If the fire was going to affect you, you would certainly hear about it before it reached your, your, your house, Jordan. Now, the, the other thing to think about, and this is, this is something that happened to me when I got rid of my phone for several months. Uh, I, I got rid of the smartphone. I had no phone for a two-month period, and I wrote about it. Uh, this was a long time ago, back in 2011. And it changed my relationship to the phone for sure. But the number one criticism I got from people online at the time, so whatever this was, nine years ago, what if someone you love has an emergency? And my answer to that is, of course, they should do what they would always do. They should call 911. Sean, if you sever your leg and it's down to the bone, you're bleeding all over the place, you better not call me. I don't care if I have five phones on me. I don't want you reaching out to me to bring you the tourniquet. I am the wrong person to call in case of an emergency. And so, yes, do I want to hear about it? And yes, do I think having a phone like this I have in my hand right now, do, do I think this is helpful in emergencies? If I get stuck somewhere, of course, I think it's helpful in an emergency. But if not if you have an emergency, I shouldn't be the one that you need to reach. And so uh, what I realized, though, is most emergencies aren't, right? Everything is emergency. Everything's breaking news. But that mindset, I think, is broken. And two other... Um Two other unintended um, positives from like kind of opting out of the news is so if you don't listen, lo listen, read or watch the news, you save a ton of time 
so you can do other things. Yeah. But then it, it enriches conversation because you don't know, mm-hmm. and you talk to people, and they say, hey, did you hear about that thing? You say, no. Mm-hmm. And then they tell you all about it, and you get that fresh perspective instead of like, don't you hate it when you're talking to someone and you already know what they're going to say? Yeah. Because you already read, you all read the same article. Yeah. And I think someone else in this in, in the sphere of the Minimalist podcast episodes had mentioned that same thing about like, people are arguing the debate, the topics from the same, they all watch the same news article. Right. And they're all like just kind of, yeah, and, yes, and. Yes. And it's like, oh, well, obviously you guys don't have your own opinion. You're just saying what the people on the news said. Yeah, Cal Newport talks about this in his book, Digital Minimalism, how we no longer confront the text, so to speak. So we will quote something like we'll talk about Thoreau and Walden and, and, you know, where him living in the woods, but without actually going to the original text itself and or ever even reading that. And so we're essentially regurgitating a a factoid that and it's everyone sharing the same factoids that that they uh have heard so yeah i think i think with respect to with with respect to any of the the news there if it does filter down to me it probably is the thing that i want to engage with i in fact i noticed the same thing when i get rid of the phone no longer was i having the ephemeral text conversations what's up you know or whatever it was so when I met someone in person, we were sitting down, we hadn't communicated via text. And so like those little, it's almost like saving up those sound bites. In fact, I kept a little notepad that I wrote, oh, I want to talk to Ryan about this, this, and this. And so like next time we sat down, I could talk to that person about those things. We have a question from SP Babcock. My question would be, minimalism has allowed me to create a three to six month emergency fund by focusing on the things that are truly important and eliminating miscellaneous expenses. Congratulations. During the COVID-19 quarantine, many families have had to dip into savings or make difficult financial decisions. Does the current pandemic change your recommendations on how you budget? Do you recommend longer than three to six months of savings for such events? Let me just say this. Um, Does it change the principles? No. It, it doesn't. And I'll explain to you why in a moment. I also want to acknowledge that you're right. A lot of people have gone through some difficult times. My brother was certainly one of them. He worked at a factory job manufacturing cabinets, a fairly well-paid job for a factory job in Ohio. And that whole plant shut down during COVID. And so he went to go work am- at Amazon temporarily. And um, that was like a sort of seasonal thing while they needed uh, help in their warehouse sort of distribution and so he was you know, picking packages for a period of time. And then uh, now, most recently, to pay the bills, he's working third shift at a meat packing plant. I mean, that's some of the most difficult work you can do is working at a meat packing plant, third shift. And, um, but it's doing what he needs to do to raise his daughters and uh, pay his mortgage. And, and so, yes, I, I recognize that he's also had to dip into some savings, right? And uh, that's what an emergency fund is for. Emergency funds are for emergencies. So let's talk about what those things might be. Ryan and I, we often talk about emergency items. It's the only appropriate just-in-case item or emergency items. Like I, I have a, a first aid kit at home. I hope that I never have to use it. It doesn't fit in my 90-90 rule, it, it, but also it doesn't fit in the 20-20 rule. Like I could place, replace it in less than 20 minutes, less than $20, but if it's an emergency, I don't have 20 minutes, right? If you're bleeding out, right. you're not going to have time to go replace yeah, it. What, what rule does this fall under? <laughs> and I'm bleeding on my way to the store, right? And so that is, it's important to recognize 
that there are emergencies. However, as I mentioned a moment ago, most emergencies aren't. We will often dip into our emergency fund to make a car payment or something. Well, that's not an emergency. We shouldn't have a car payment in the first place. There's never an emergency for a car payment. If I have a car payment, I'm doing something wrong. I need to sell that car and I need to buy a car that I can afford. Now, a car that I can afford is always a car that does not have a car payment. There are no exceptions to this. I know you can justify anything. So can I. I can justify just about anything. But car payments are always a bad thing. Don't have them. Um, or if you do have them, know the, what you're getting into, right? Uh, meaning that you you are doing something that um, is not a good financial decision. It's never a good financial... And by the way, this isn't coming from a place of judgment. Although it is sort of, I'm judging my past self. I made some really bad decisions with money in my lifetime. And what I'm really trying to help people do is avoid those same decisions. So what are real emergencies? Oh, I have to pay the electricity bill and I'm, I've been laid off. Okay, well, my brother was laid off, right? Dip into your emergency fund to keep the lights on, to keep the heat on for your daughter, right? That makes sense. Putting food on the table. Yes, gonna have to dip into emergency fund for that if I don't have the same income. But do the principles stick? I think they I think they do. Three to six months of emergency fund? Yeah, if you can have more than that, ideally you'll have more money saved that's in the stock market or wherever else. That can that can be a supplementary emergency fund. An emergency fund isn't meant to sustain you for years and years and years. That's called retirement. Right? But you can have retirement savings that if need be, you can find a way to to use that for a period of time. Uh, if your emergency fund runs out because we have a prolonged pandemic. However, a pandemic doesn't also mean that we can't work. As my brother has demonstrated here perfectly, sometimes we have to do things that we don't want to do for a temporary period of time, for a season in our life, not even a week or a month, but sometimes for a year or several years in order to make ends meet. And there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, it's laudable. And I want to applaud people like Jerome and and. Other people who are doing things they don't necessarily want to do, but they're doing things they have to do in order to provide for their family. I had to do this in my 20s when I was trying to pay off debt. I went, I mean, I was working a nice job. I had a Lexus and I was delivering pizzas in it. Now, my priorities were a little messed up. I, I should have just sold the Lexus, obviously, and delivered pizzas in a Corolla or, or something similar, right? But I, I had to make sure that I was paying off the debt. So I had to do something I didn't want to do short term in order to get out of the crater that I was in. I think, if anything, this, this pandemic is illuminating the fact that debt is evil. And we expect people with massive amounts of debt going into a pandemic whose financial life has been changed also that the income part has been changed by the pandemic. My, my income part has certainly been changed from the pandemic. No question about it. Thankfully, I haven't had any debt. Thankfully, thankfully I've had an emergency fund and uh, I haven't had to tap into the emergency fund, but it is there and I've made significantly less money during the, the pandemic, but because I have lower bills, I have fewer bills, I should say, and I have because I don't have the car payment, I don't have the credit card debt, I don't have student loans, I don't, I don't have any debt to pay off, right? I don't have a hole that is getting bigger during the quarantine. It's just that my retirement accounts aren't getting as much put into them during this temporary period of time. All right, we have a question here from Desert 
theism. How many masks should I own? <laughs> she says, I'm just kidding. I had some strong negative feelings toward friends and family members who have different opinions and beliefs. Sometimes I feel it's, inappro- I feel it's appropriate, for example, regarding the existence of systemic racism or the thoughtfulness of wearing a mask. How do you deal with these strong feelings? How do you manage these conflicts in relationships? I think you have to recognize a few things. One is we're all hypocrites somewhere, right? I'm a minimalist who owns six jackets. That's not very minimalistic of me, right? I um, I I look at you know I wrote this essay recently called "Compassion for Hypocrites," and the whole thing talks about how we're all hypocrites and we need to have compassion for people. So ultimately, desert. I think you need to find that compassion in you because you have it, right? And maybe it's even having compassion for yourself as well. I think that's a another conversation. But having compassion for other people means we're all suffering somewhere, right? Compassion, all it means is with suffering, being someone with them, being with them during their suffering. Passion, the root of that is pass us, which means to suffer. And so we're all suffering somewhere. You're not going to agree with everyone. Embrace the fact that other people have different beliefs. Uh, there are people that I work with on that very closely work with who are all voting for different people in this next election, right? I, I know people who are voting for Biden and Trump. But there's only two choices. Joe Jorgensen and, and <laughs> Kanye West probably. Right. I mean, that's that's the argument we use. Well, I think a lot of people will come and comment when you have said that in the past, right? Uh, yeah. That we voted for uh, two different people and then people automatically go to that binary Oh, there's only Republicans and Democrats. Have you no, noticed that Ryan gets a You can a actually l- write people in, too. Yeah, Ryan gets a little worried whenever I say that. Because it's almost like he feels, and this is for Patreon, so I can talk about this. Yeah. It's, it's almost like he's scared to say, like, but, but no, 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 I didn't vote yeah, for Trump. And it's like, oh, I don't care if people think I voted for Trump. And that, that's the, I think that's the difference. Uh, um, now, you guys should go back and listen to episode 38 of our podcast called Blame right after the election. And we talked about this. And... and whether or not Ryan and I voted for Trump, like if, if for some reason that disqualifies you from anything someone says because they voted for someone different from you, then I'm going to encourage you to have a, a, a more open mind, to have more tolerance, to have more acceptance of other points of view, right? Now, there are some things that we shouldn't accept. Yeah, we shouldn't accept racism, right? Mm. But if someone tells you that systemic racism doesn't exist... I'm going to at least hear you out. I may not agree with that point of view, but I'm not going to be so close-minded that I'm not willing to entertain the conversation. Right. If something like that comes up, what I ask is, based on what? Yeah. What yeah. what what resources are you using? Because I'd like to see those resources. Right. Yeah. And I think it's a fair conversation. And even if it's based on your opinion, okay, great. Let's talk about your opinion. I want to right. hear more about this. Yeah. Because sometimes opinions can be very persuasive. What again? What did you base your opinion on? Right, right. Where, where, where have you come to that? Yeah, and so, yeah, I disagree with Ryan about all kinds of things all the time. There's a difference between disagreeing and arguing. Arguing involves blaming, shaming, and naming. Right? We were naming, we're calling names to someone. Can you believe that idiot? 
You know, it's like, well, okay, how helpful is that, right? It's, it's not helpful at all. Um, blaming them. It's your fault you have this belief. Well, no, maybe you've been acculturated to believe something. And instead of trying to persuade them, Try to simply present your point of view the same way you would. And this has been an exercise for me, Sean. You've had to go through this a lot in your life. But having a seven-year-old daughter, trying to explain something mm-hmm. to a seven-year-old daughter, <laughs> because I, I can't use big descriptive flowery language. And no, I have to describe it to a seven-year-old. Wait till it, you have to dis- wait till you have to explain it to a seventeen-year-old who assumes that they know exactly how the world works. <laughs> Right. Meanwhile, they're still living under your roof. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the pandemic has exposed some things. What is what is exposed for me this this year is exposed. I I think for a lot of people is there's a lot of anger out there. Mm -hmm. And don't and and by the way, you're acknowledging this. Hey, I have some of this anger here. Right. I have negative feelings toward friends and family who have different opinions from me. Guess what? Not everyone's going to share your opinion. Not everyone's going to share your beliefs. That's actually what makes life rich. Imagine if everyone had the same exact culture, same exact beliefs, same exact opinions. My God, that'd be bland. Mm -hmm. All right, let's move on to Brittany has a question. Hello, my question is, I've tried my best to purge as much as possible during quarantine. However, with the upcoming holiday, I'm nervous about the excess amounts of items I'm going to bring into my house. How do you two typically go about gift giving and receiving during the holidays. Well, long time listeners know we have two rules that will really help out with this. We have the minimalist gift giving rule and the minimalist gift getting rule, which almost sounds counterintuitive, but those two rules show you how to better ask and how to better give gifts, intentional gifts. Instead of saying, no, 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 I hate gifts, screw you, bah humbug, it's about what to say yes to. You can find both of those rules for free in our minimalist rule book, the minimalists.com slash rule book. You can download that. 16 rules for living with less. Nate Crenshaw says, how do you deal with the anxiety and pressure of buying things during a global pandemic, even though you may not need them in the first place? Nate, why the hell are you buying things you don't need? Now, it depends on what you mean by need, right? So, essential. Uh, I'm not, I'm not going to tell you to buy only essentials, right? I'm never going to tell you to buy only that which is essential. Ryan and I believe we have something called the no junk rule. Three, three different piles. All of your stuff can be put in. Essentials, non-essential, junk. Essentials are all the same for most of us. We all need housing, clothing, food, varies at the the edges but it's for the most part the same then we have non-essentials those are the things that we don't necessarily that aren't absolutely essential but they add a value they add some sort of value to our lives they add tranquility or increase our well well well-being in some way and if so great if we can afford those things wonderful unfortunately most of our things 90 plus percent of our things fall into the third category junk things that masquerade as value adding, but they actually get in the way of that which adds value. And so how do I deal with the anxiety of buying things I don't need? I don't buy things I don't need. That's even doubly true during a quarantine because you're now at home more than ever. Our lives have have shifted. Many of us are actually working from home now full time. If that's the case, you don't want to be bombarded with all this stuff, this junk around you all the time. 
Clean up the house. Let go. Pick up the item. Ask yourself, does this increase my tranquility? Does it improve my well-being? If not, let it go. And then, of course, not buying a thing is letting go in advance. ACM says, yeah, how do I stop from wasting a lot of my budget on takeout? <laughs> I don't know how... Here's the thing. I've spent less money on food this year than probably any year in the last... And I've been a minimalist for a long time, but I've spent less money on food this year because we're going grocery shopping and cooking at home far, far more frequently. So how, how do you do it? That You just don't buy takeout as much. I think that's become just a bad habit that people have developed over this time frame and big city living. Because everyone that knows me, mm-hmm. they're like, how do you do it? Because I cook like all three meals i'll mm. cook like from scratch and they'll like, go you do it and you're like well i work from home and yeah. the quarantine's afforded me tons of extra time right it, it it's uh it's not the quarantine that's making you do that it's no. it, you've just gradually stepped back into that lifestyle ah. and gotten used to it it's that blaming thing we were talking about earlier we're just we're blaming a bad habit on the quarantine mm-hmm. whether that is going into debt whether it's, again, I hate to bring my brother up again, but he's the primary example is he never plays the victim ever. I mean, he got laid off. It was a struggle with bills for a while and he didn't complain about it once. He thought, I guess we're going to go work at Amazon shipping packages. I guess I'm going to work at a meat packing plant, third shift, not like, woe is me. And if, if instead of blaming the quarantine or blaming someone else, it's, it's taking that ownership and realizing this is not going to be ideal, but there might not be an, a most ideal scenario right now in, in some cases. It, it's figuring out well, there, there's always going to be a most ideal scenario. There may not be an ideal or perfect scenario, but you have to find what is most ideal given the current restraints. The only argument I would say is the opposite one with the, with the takeout is when your life gets really busy, that's the only reason every once in a while I go, yeah, I've had McDonald's. Mm-hmm. The only reason I have McDonald's because I there's you know 24 hours in the day, yeah. and I'm using most of them other than sleeping, uh-huh. and I have no time to to cook or go sit at a restaurant or anything. Mm-hmm. It's just the drive-through is the only the only way. But That's, there's there's a third option, right? Uh, you can always go without a meal too. Just go without a meal. Yeah, yeah. and I, I think for whatever reason in our world we don't think about that. We live in a world right now where the average person listening to this has not gone longer than 18 hours, certainly longer than 24 hours without a meal, in probably their entire adult life. I don't know what the longest you've what's the longest you fasted ever. A day, 24 okay. hours. Yeah, 24 hours. Mm-hmm. The longest I've ever done was a six day fast, and um, you. I mean, you get a special kind of mental clarity, that uh, a spiritual awakening in a way. That's called near-death experience. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, there are some people who fast. Well, I'm not, by the way, I'm not prescribing uh, uh, anyone go on a six-day fast. Uh, consult your doctor but before yeah. any, any sort of routine change there. But um, what, what I am saying is that Skipping a meal is not going to kill anyone, and sometimes it will really help us. Uh, it'll help us better understand that we are in control. We're not a slave to the processed carbohydrates, the processed foods. I, I would always skip a meal instead of going to McDonald's. Uh, in our new book, Love People Use Things, there's a, this passage about what is a minimalist diet. And I think I finally figured out what a minimalist diet is, and a lot of it has to do with what it isn't. Sometimes you have to define something with what, what it is by what it isn't. 
And, and so it's no processed foods. It's no refined oils, which by the way, I have a hypothesis on, on this after doing a lot of, you know, confronting the text, doing different research. I think that seed, vegetable and seed oils in particular, refined oils, so not, not olive oil, not coconut oil, uh, not tallow. Um, avocado but, too? Yeah, avocado is probably fine as long as it's actually avocado. Most avocado oils have palm oil in them, which is a terrible seed oil. So canola oil is bad for you. Uh, vegetable oil is bad for you. Uh, all, all of these refined oils, there's a huge increase in cancer in our society. And one of the biggest contributors I suspect... This is just my hypothesis right now, based on several doctors that I've talked to and different researchers that I've talked to, that uh, re- there's a correlation between refined oils and cancer. In fact, we, we smoke uh, less now than we did in the 40s and 50s, but there's more cancer in our society. It was about half of the people smoked um, in the 40s and 50s, half of our population. Now it's... Uh, close to single digits, 14, 13% of the population smokes, we have more incidence of cancer. What well, has to do with what else we're putting into our bodies? And the proliferation of refined seed oils, we've got to eliminate all that stuff. It's one of the worst things that we could we put in. But the sad, it's in everything. It's in everything. That's why cooking at home is, is, is so crucial because you can use olive oil and healthy oils and, and eat healthy food. But also just cutting out the processed foods, the, the sugars, the inflammatory foods, um, the, uh, the um, Monsanto agrochemical crops, right? Uh, non-organic, basically. Uh, and so, yeah, there's this whole section about, it's a short section, but it's about defining a minimalist diet. we got time for one more question, I believe. Let's see if we got one here from... Rin the Knight. Let's see what she's... Rins. Rins the Knight. I want to have an idea how to keep... Okay. Uh, mindless shopping. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do that one. I want to have an idea how to keep away from mindless shopping during this time without noticing it. I Without noticing it, I accumulate products from online shopping because there's nothing new ever since the lockdown... <laughs> Uh, but don't get me wrong. I know this isn't healthy. Uh, okay, so the first step is acknowledging you're doing something unhealthy if you want to stop it, right? And instead of stopping it, I think that's the... the you, we want to change a habit. It's almost always has to do with replacing the habit, right? A great book about this is a former podcast guest, James Clear. He wrote a book called Atomic Habits. So you can check that out. Uh, but these purchases, one way to break the habit is to often break the triggers, We've removed all the friction, and so it's easy to one-click shop your way to... Log out of Amazon. Yeah, log out altogether, right? Or what I do with Amazon now, we have... So Ryan and I have the 30-30 rule, right? It's also called the wait-for-it rule. If something's more than $30, I have to wait at least 30 hours. That staves off the impulse because you're never making an an emergency purchase on Amazon. I need this right now, right? Um, and so... I can always wait 30 hours, just over a day. But the other thing I've been doing recently is taking that, that rule a little bit further. And so I, anytime I want to buy something, I put it in my shopping cart on Amazon. So I have to log in to Amazon, put it in the shopping cart, and then I only click the checkout button once a week on Sundays. And so I have a little reminder set up on Sundays. I'll check out. But 
before I check out, I go through the card again. And I end up deleting 50%, 70%. Yesterday, which was a Sunday, we're recording this on a Monday, I deleted 100%. I deleted the whole cart. And I'm like, I don't need this. And, and it's this great buffer. And so I would, I would encourage that to, to, to stop those little habits that add up. Because you're like, ah, what's well, a big deal? It's $7.99 for this little widget. Yeah, it's $7.99 this time. But every time we do it, it's incurring a new expense, but not just the expense. It's bringing something into our life that we have to deal with. We have to clean. We have to declutter eventually. Why deal with that? Why have to deal with that in the first place if you're not actually going to get value from it? What's it called when uh, in, in AA that you have the accountability person? What are they called? Uh, your your sponsor. Yes. You, you, people should get Amazon sponsors. <laughs> where you like, hey, I th- I, hey, uh, Josh, I'm. I'm, it's you know it's midnight. I'm thinking about buying this this uh, end table. That's so good. <laughs> That's so good. I love it. I love it. All right. Well, there's so many more questions. Maybe we'll get to the rest of these next month. All right, y'all patrons. Thank you so so much. Ryan, I'll be back with me next time for sure. We appreciate your support. You keep the podcast 100% advertisement free. You help Sean and Jordan and Jess and everyone else on the team. Thank you. We're really grateful for y'all. All right, y'all love people use things. The minimalists. <laughs>